Well, you're at the game and it's Friday night and you want to make sure that the calls are right. This is high school football rules. There's a hole in a fumble and an illegal pass. Now, what do you do? Cause you're the raffle. This is high school football rules. Well, sit on down and kick right back. You're going to listen to Luke and Matt. They're talking high school football rules. They're talking high school football rules. Welcome back to High School Football Rules, the podcast where we go through the NFHS rulebook. Tonight we are talking about Rule 6, kicking the ball and fair catch. As always, I have Luke, the rule expert, with me. Luke, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. We'll just get right into it. Rule 6-1, the kickoff and other free kicks. Article 1 says, for any free kick, a free kick line corresponding to a scrimmage line is established for each team. These lines are always 10 yards apart, unless moved by a penalty. K's free kick line is A, the 40-yard line for a kickoff. Let's start with that right there. Okay, so we've got this thing called a free kick line. It's different. The only reason it is the free kick line is because there's the 10 yards apart, right? So if we've got a free kick, we've got to be have the 10-yard uh, buffered zone, if you will. If it's a scrimmage kick, we've got the center, we've got the nose guard. They're lined up right over each other, things like that. We've got the neutral zone, expanded neutral zone, all that stuff. But for a free kick, and we'll get into what you can do with a free kick, but with a free kick, you always have that 10-yard buffer. Does that sound... Am I saying that right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the neutral zone is something that people know usually is the width of the ball on a normal, you know, first through third down, whatever play. On free kicks, it, we still have a neutral zone. It's just always 10 yards apart. Um, there's some unique scoring things we'll get into as a part of this rule, but uh, that 10-yard buffer is unique to uh, free kick plays. Okay. So unless moved by penalty, K's free kick line is always the 40-yard line. We started about A. Uh, subsection B. It's the 20-yard line after a safety. Yeah, and we have some different kick rules, which we'll get into for uh, what you, how you can kick it on a safety, but uh, you start in a new spot, and that means that the receiving team, or ours restraining line, would be the 30 in that case. Yeah, all right, and we'll get into this one, uh, subsection C. This gets really tricky, but uh, the free kick line is C, the yard line through the spot of a catch after a fair catch. And D, I'll say this, you know, C and D are connected. Uh, D, the yard line through the spot of an awarded fair catch, which we'll get into as well later. Yeah, later on here in five, we'll get to all the fair catch stuff. But just knowing that uh, where they fair catch it, that's essentially a spot where you can have a free kick from. Gotcha. Okay. Article two of six one: A free kick shall be made from any point between the hash marks and on K's free kick line. A punt may not be used for a free kick other than after a safety. Once designated, K must kick from that spot. So, again, you know, you have to say, I don't don't know if we've ever actually had a kicker designate a spot, say, I'm right here, but you kind of hand them the ball where you think that they're going to kick. So if somebody says, oh, wait, all of a sudden I want to pick up and I'm on the left hash, I want to move to the right hash, technically that's illegal? Uh, well, correct. So once the referee has blown the ready for play in, that's when they can no longer move it anymore. So a part of the back judge uh, handing the ball to the kicker is him saying where he's going to kick from. And this is one of those things where, like, it's funny to see it in the rule book, but you really you never have seen 
a kicker put a ball on the tee, pick it up and run over and put it down and kick it from somewhere else. You know, it's always during this dead ball period where we're moving it around. Yeah. If that ever happened, I think we would just, as a back judge, run in, uh, you know, check the ball again. Oh, yep, it's still a kicking ball and tell the white hats to just blow the whistle again. I don't know if we would ever really enforce that. But Yeah, you ask the kicker uh, if his uh, special teams coach uh, thought that was legal for some reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you come up with this for your coach? Maybe if it's the coach. Yeah, that's Special teams coordinator. There's just something with special teams coordinators that they're just a little goofier than the rest of the coaches. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you get so. one out of every like seven or eight plays and you just got that much extra time to think about what to do on that play, right? All right, continuing article two. When a punt is used following a safety, the ball must be kicked within one step behind K's free kick line. In an emergency such as a pool of water on K's free kick line, the referee shall uh, the referee has authority to move the ball to a playable line. In which case, both free kick lines are moved to compensate. So you got to kick. You, it has to be kicked within one step. Again, you're not going to get out your ruler and figure out if it's one step, but they can't punt the ball beyond that free kick line, I guess, is, that, is the main point there, correct? Correct, and it's just because since it's not fixed like you have with a T usually, um, it's kind of this where the guy kicks it is a little squishy or, or gray, however you want to put it. The rule is just saying he's supposed to be within a yard and not go beyond the line when he's kicking it. Okay, and if he, I mean, if for some reason huge rain, uh, horrible field, something like that, I mean, as the white hat, as the referee, um, you have the authority to move that line, but there will always be that ten yard buffer. Yeah, the good news is, you know, most most high schools have, uh, you know, the the turf field, so we don't get this like we used to. But in the old days, the end of the season, you had played, you know, your first four games were getting into playoffs, and all of a sudden you have a rainy, sloppy night. Then there just would be these terrible areas in the middle of the field, and it'd be maybe not safe or just maybe not a very playable surface, however you want to put it. That's where we'd move it, but uh, I'd say the majority of the time now we're seeing a lot more of that turf field, so it kind of becomes a non-issue. Okay, Article 3. After the ball is marked ready for play, and until the ball is kicked, the following formation requirements must be met. A. No player other than the kicker and the holder for a place kick may be beyond his free kick line. Makes sense. Okay, so when we have a kickoff, a place kick, and we'll get into that, the definitions, um, a place kick can be used for a free kick. It happens more often when we've had the ball blow off the tee a couple times. That guy who comes over and holds the ball, that's officially a place kick because it's being held on a device that's lifting the ball up, right? Um, But... The, the key is there, the guy with his knee on the ground, if he's over the line, we don't care. If the kicker plants his foot and his toes go over the line, we also don't care. Those two are allowed to be. Everyone else has to be behind the line. Okay, B, no K player other than the kicker may be more than five yards behind the kicking team's free kick line. A player satisfies this rule when no foot is on or beyond the line five yards behind K's free kick line. If one K player is more than five yards behind this restraining line and any other player kicks the ball, it is a foul. So uh, let's talk about that last part first. So you can't have um, the kicker back. He's behind. He's, t- he's done his five yard, five big steps back, three to the left. He's sitting there back ready to go. He's got his hand in the air. The ball goes in. And then all of a sudden the guy who's right next to him comes up and does a quick kick on a on – a, uh, on a, uh, what surprise do you call it? Onside kick yep. or something like that. Yeah, surprise onside. If there is a kicker behind that five-yard line, five yards behind the free kick line, it is a penalty. That's an illegal formation. Kill the ball right away. 
Yeah, Am I and, saying that correctly? And when you get in the definitions, the kicker is the person who kicks the ball. So in this case, the kicker, you know, the way you described it, the kicker was within five yards and we had one of those players beyond is kind of the way that this is saying it. So it just means that for that one guy who's the exception to the rule, he's got to kick the ball, otherwise it's a formation foul. Okay, Article 3B, free kick infraction. I don't know what, you know, free kick infraction, I don't know what the penalty, do you know what the penalty is for a free kick infraction? Yeah, it's a five-yard penalty. Do you blow the whistle right away, or do you let that kick continue? Uh, is that a dead ball foul, or sure. do you let that thing go? It's it's a foul that occurs at the time of the kick. So this is, we'll talk a lot in enforcements and, and kind of starting and stopping plays and stuff, but officially... We kill the play as soon as the ball is kicked and there's a violation. That can be encroachment on either the offense or the defense. That can be one of these formation fouls. Uh, they don't kind of let the play go when they do them. Gotcha. All right. Part before that sentence, it basically says that, you know, no player shall be touching or behind that five-yard line. So if a guy's got his guy or gal, player's got their foot on the five-yard line, you know, they're five yards back and they're on that line, right? I mean, technically they're... Uh, violating the rule, but let's uh, try to work with the team, particularly because the kicking team, especially kickoff more than any other uh, kicking uh, team is, you know, that you probably got the 49th guy on the bench, the 68th guy on the bench, something like that. Who's just trying to get in the game and try not to embarrass that guy. If he's got his toe, you know, maybe tell him next time, Hey, make sure your toes back or tell the D or go over and talk to the coordinator and say, look, this guy's technically off the line. Let's just, can you tell him please to just make sure that he's, you know, in front of that line. And again, if it happens two, three times, that's when you go, maybe you got to throw a flag, but let's try to work with players. Yeah. And that's, let's remember the purpose of it. We're not trying to catch someone. They're not getting an advantage by being four inches further back than the rest of their team. What they're preventing is that guy, well, the, the kind of old school way of doing this, where those kickers are at a full sprint when the kick goes. And if we do an onside kick there and you have this receiving team that's standing still, there's one guy who's going 100 miles an hour, one guy standing trying to catch a ball. It's just an unsafe play. So they're trying to make ways to, to kind of, I guess, be more safe, You know, be mindful of the players and how they're hitting each other. And uh, this rule was a way to help them kind of not be going too fast, I guess, when the ball is kicked. Okay. Article 4, at the time the ball is kicked, at least 4K players must be on each side of the kicker. So we can have... Four on one side, six on the other, five and five, or six and four, essentially, is what we're saying. Yeah, or if for some reason they don't have 11, which we also shouldn't allow to happen in this case, right? You're the you're the back judge there. You count 10 guys. Make sure they get the 11th out before we give them the ball. But uh, if they did, for some reason, they could be five and four. You just can't be, if there was, I don't know, nine guys out there, you couldn't be five and three in a kicker, right? It has to be at least, um, at least four, four each side. Gotcha. Yep. That's, that's a good point. Is there a rule? Is it a Minnesota rule? Do we talk about it? I don't know if when I was reading through the rules, does, does the players have to be one yard apart or five yards apart or something? Is there uh, a gap? I think that... I, I think that was an experimental thing that we may have done. Um, yeah, they, they can't. I think this on both sides takes care of bunch formation stuff, but I think that was mainly a safety thing that we had as a thing. It's not in this book. Gotcha. All right. Article 5. Any receiver may catch or recover a free kick in the field of play in advance unless any R player has given a valid or invalid fair catch signal. R may catch or recover a free kick in K's end zone. All right, let's talk about the first part real quick. Then, I mean, that last part, I still, I, I just don't get it. R may re catch or recover a free kick in K's end zone. I don't know if we, 
how we'd ever get there, but I guess it can happen. So, yeah. Uh, the other thing I can think of is we have a whole bunch of penalties. Their free kick line ends up being on the five yard line, so the, the negative five in that play. Um, there's an onside kick attempt for some reason, maybe it's the end of the game, and they need the ball. It uh, hits off a player. Since it's still a kick status, I mean, we're not going to be talking about safeties and all that stuff yet, but uh, since the ball is a kick and it's still loose, the kick is in the end zone. R has the right to do it. I, it's the only thing I yeah. can think of. So, again, I think we'll get into it, but a kick is a kick until it's not anymore, until it's possessed by either R or K, um, you know, depending on how we get it. When we get into the uh, enforcement stuff, we'll talk a lot about play segments we'll talk about loose ball segments run segments and a kick segment is a loose ball segment while the it's a kick and no one's possessed it on either team uh, it remains a kick status even though you can be touched and all kinds of other stuff okay and i think just the one really interesting point it's a little nuance but it says any receiver may catch or recover a free kick in the field of play in advance so it doesn't say you know the ball the ball doesn't have to go 10 yards for the kicking team or for the receiving team to recover it. Uh, you know, it just has to be in the field of play. So they can recover it anywhere in the field of play. Ball goes backwards, they can recover it, you know, and they can also recover it in K's end zone. If it goes to R's end zone, it is a touchback. We'll get to that. If uh, Article 6, if any K player recovers or catches a free kick, the ball becomes dead. It belongs to him unless it is kick catching interference and R chooses an awarded fair catch or unless it is first touching. Um, let's, I'll stop there. So again, if any K player recovers or catches a free kick, the ball is dead. They cannot pick up the ball and then keep running and go for a touchdown. Put a beanbag down, blow the thing dead, whatever you got to do. You know, the players, they see it uh, in the NFL. They're going to want to grab that ball and keep running. But they, a, key, a K player, after they recover a free kick, cannot advance the ball. All right, I'll continue Article 6. Any K player may recover the ball before it goes beyond R's free kick line if it is touched first by any receiver, so anybody on the R team. Such touching in the neutral zone by R is ignored if it is caused by K pushing or blocking R into contact with the ball or if K muffs the ball into contact with R. So you will see that the ball's rolling, rolling. It's kind of a slow onside, and a uh, kicking team player will try to you know, just block a guy into it just to get first touch. I mean, just be aware of it. Um, you know, usually it's not that malicious. Usually nothing bad happens, but this can be a point of, uh, you know, we've got 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. We talk about it often. The emotions are high. Just make sure you're watching for that and, uh, and being on top of it because you'd hate to say, oh, yep, nope, R touched it, K's ball right there when when K pushed him into into the ball. Yeah, I mean, high schoolers do some goofy things. If we had a nickel for every time people said, Peter, and get away and don't touch it, I mean, the people just go a little weird out there. So, yeah, this is just saying that if the ball maybe hasn't gone 10 yards, uh, K players trying to block one of the R's in it, that doesn't count as first touching by R. You know, it's just if they're forced to do it, we're, we're not giving credit to it as a first touching spot. Okay. Here's the kind of a big one in my mind anyways. Any K player may recover a free kick if it has both touched the ground and goes beyond the plane of R's free kick line. Again, R's free kick line is 10 yards beyond the kicking line. Yeah, so normal plays were 40 to the 50. If there's some fouls or something, it could move, but it's usually 40 to 50 if we're going to just say on a normal play. Yeah, let's so, uh, just going back, I know uh, 
I don't know if we talked about it, but one thing to be aware of and just for like a crew to be aware of, right? If you've got a penalty, all right, and the kickoff is not going to be on the 40, you have to make sure that you're understanding where that new free kick line is, correct? It's not always just the 40 and the 50. You may have something that moves the ball back to the 35. Well, then the free kick line also moves back, you know, to the 45. And so you just have to be aware and, and, and be cognizant of, you know, if we've got a penalty that is enforced on the kickoff, right? And we'll get into that uh, a couple rules here. You have to be cognizant of that. It's not always, you, you're not always putting the ball in play on the 40 and going from there. It can be on the 35 and everything, and the lines move from there. Yeah. And, and you'll be helping both teams about where they stand because they know the 40 and the 50 yard line, but yep. the second they have to move, I mean, all those players know their home base and you just got to be like, you got to come five, 10, 15 yards one way or the other, right? So just helping them through that's always something that's a part of our officiating duties. Yeah. And one of these, so this sentence that we were, we let off with here, uh, this latest sentence, you know, that this comes into play, I think a lot more often lately, where you've got these kickers again, we've got, uh, soccer players that we've always had soccer players kicking off, but now we've got fancy soccer players kicking off who are good at kind of pooching that ball, you know, 15 yards, but right along the, right along the sideline, you know, and they're going to try to get their team in a position to recover that kickoff. Um, it's not an onside kick. It's, you know, they're placing the ball, but a K player cannot run underneath that and catch it without it touching the ground first. It has to go the 10 yards. It has to cross uh, R's free kick line and it has to touch the ground before K can recover. That's a big one because uh has to cross the line, has to touch the ground. Yeah, it's a, it's a unique thing to high school rule set. Um, if there's no one around it on the receiving team, it actually doesn't matter. Uh, K cannot catch that ball. It has to hit the ground first. Gotcha. The two requirements may occur in any order. If a free kick becomes dead inbounds between the goal lines while no player is in possession or inbounds anywhere while opponents are in joint possession, the ball is awarded to R. I don't know if you'll ever see it where the ball, no, everybody just kind of says, eh, you know, there's the ball. We'll just walk away and start going. But, you know, joint possession will happen fairly often particularly on um onside kicks or something like that you know yeah, so most of the time it's like the bottom of the pile yep. um we we'll talk about it when we get to catch rules too but having physical joint possession is near impossible we talk about uh the analogy is baseball right uh that guy going to first base you know the foot going down versus the first baseman catching the ball there's always a split second difference it's it's physically I guess an anomaly for those to ever be like a tie, right? They always say tie goes the runner. If there's ever were a tie where both guys have it at the same time, or you can't tell who got it first, that defaults kind of the receiving team gets the ball. Yeah. And that happens in catches. It happens in, you know, fumble recoveries, all this stuff. It goes towards the offense. It goes to had who had the ball in this case is going to the receiving team, things like that. So yeah. All right. Article seven. If any K player touches a free kick, before it crosses R's free kick line. Again, R's free kick line is 10 yards beyond the kick line. And before it is touched there by any R player, it is referred to as first touching of the kick. R may take the ball at the spot of first touching or any spot if there is more than one spot of first touching, or they may choose to have the ball put in play as determined by the action which follows first touching. Such touching is ignored if it is caused by R pushing or blocking K into contact with the ball. The right of R to take the ball at the spot of first touching by K is canceled. If R t- touches the kick and thereafter during the down commits a foul 
or if the penalty is accepted or any foul committed during the down. So let's just uh, forget that there's a foul happens there. But again, first touching, just explain it briefly in layman's terms. If sure. You so we, we just talked about how for K to possess it, it's got to go beyond 10 yards, touch the ground, all that stuff. If we have a onside kick that doesn't go 10 yards or is on its way, but before it gets there, a K player touches it. We have something called, they call it first touching, and versus a foul with some of the other stuff we're talking about, this is a spot of violation. Um, so a violation just kind of hangs out there. Uh, the This is saying that if, let's just say that it keeps going and then K recovers it after it's gone 10 yards, uh, R still has the right to go back where K touched it early and get the ball. That's kind of the more normal way this thing happens. And then the other thing that it's kind of saying after that is, let's say it goes, you know, we have a spot of legal touching by the kicking team. R recovers the ball and they advance it. They can take the spot where they uh, got the ball. They can advance from there or they can take the spot of the violation. Where it's really big is when we do start talking about fouls, the violation spot is not a spot of enforcement. It's a spot where that receiving team can get the ball, but you can't like go to that legal touching spot and add five yards for a you know, a foul, a face mask or something, a block in the back. You can't, you can't enforce from there. Now, where they ended up with the ball, they can enforce from. So there's a whole lot of, when we get to rule 10, we'll talk through some of these nuanced stuff. But just knowing that touching it early is called a violation spot of first touching. And ours got some options based off of what happens after that. Yeah. So that's the first spot. And again, even if they just, let's not even say there's a foul, even if they recover it and all of a sudden they're running back, you know, a guy always does this or he starts to squirt out behind everybody and kind of go backwards. And all of a sudden he gets tackled 20 yards beyond uh, where he first recovered the ball, where he first possessed the ball. They can take the ball there or they can move up 20, 25 yards to where the spot of first touching again, this goes to the, you know, when we start talking about enforcements, that's where we're going to start talking about that because if there's a penalty there and it's a 15 yard, I mean, they still might want to, it might be a bad penalty, but they still might want to go back to the first touching spot. The penalty is enforced from where the ball ended or where the foul happened, things like that. So you have to just under, that, that's a great point to say that that first touching spot is not an enforcement spot. I think too many people get bungled up with that. The spot of first touching is only a violation spot. It's not an enforcement. You cannot enforce a penalty from that. I mean, obviously, if they all line up right, you're great. But, you know, that's not just don't think of that as a spot where you're going to enforce a penalty from. Yeah. And mechanically speaking, if we are kind of talking to the official group listening into this now, uh, that's why we use a beanbag there and we don't use a flag. I mean, there's a good reason to differentiate why we're dropping something there and why it's a, a, a bag versus a flag, right? The bag is just a spot to say, hey, we have a violation. That might be a spot we bring the ball to. Mm-hmm. All right. Article 8. A free kick is not repeated unless A, a foul occurs prior to a change of possession and the penalty acceptance requires a replay of the down. So this is probably a foul by R during the kick because if we have a foul during by K during the kick, R's got some options to tack on. So usually this is a receiving team foul before they've possessed the ball. Okay. And again, the kick doesn't end until it is possessed. A kick is a kick and is going to remain a kick until that status changes. And that really doesn't change until somebody physically is turns into a runner with the ball. Yeah. And then let's maybe talk about that just quick, because we're going to keep coming back to touching and possessing. So uh, what we're talking about is someone actually has to, it's like making a catch. Uh, if we were talking about a pass play, they have to have the ball with two feet down, 
be able to make a football like move. That's possession. If it just bounces off an R player. All right, shoulder, well, real quick, real real quick though. You can catch a ball, have one foot down, and it'd be possession. So you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we only need one foot in high school. So I'm just saying yep. that the actions that, that we will talk about when we get to catch plays is the same way we possess a ball now. Um and if they if it if they're trying to catch it and they it kind of squirts through their arms, the ball's still a kick. It hasn't been possessed yet, so it's still a kick play, and we still have things associated with kick plays to, to rule on. Uh, Article 8B, a free kick is not repeated unless there is a double foul. And again, double foul just means followed by K, followed by R. Uh, one might be a five-yard penalty, one might be a 15. doesn't matter. There's not severities involved as long as you know it's happening during the play. It's just a double fall. We're going to replay the down. Yeah, and we don't care about, like, if there was one on one team and two on the other. This is just fouls by both teams is what a double fall is. They'll offset and we'll replay. Do you uh, say it when you're announcing and you've got your fancy microphone on your big schools? Do you say there are fouls by both teams on the play and then and then go for it? Or if, no? I, if I'm doing a good job, I do. Because if you start off by just saying, you know, a foul on the first team, one crowd says, yay, and then yeah. you say, and another foul on the ear team, boo. So, yeah, if you say there's fouls by both teams to kind of set it up, it, uh, it just makes it a little bit easier on, the, I guess, the credibility side of things that we kind of know what's happening before we get to uh, the announcements. Gotcha. All right. Now, this one is near and dear to my heart. It's one of the worst plays I've ever had as an official, maybe five, six years ago. So Article 8 C says, a free kick is not repeated unless... There is an inadvertent whistle during the kick. And oh man, have I made one big blunder on this. So I was in a playoff game. We had like a one versus an eight. One is beating the snot out of eight. Okay. Eight, it's their last game of the year. They're just trying hard. They're really going at it. They're going to do a surprise onside, right? So they do the little pooch kick. And I'm and I'm on the I'm on the wing. I'm watching it. And so the guy, he's it's going about 15 yards. The player rightfully gives a fair catch signal because he doesn't want to get nailed. So I'm seeing the fair catch signal and I'm thinking, Ooh, my whistle, I'm going to protect this guy. As soon as he catches that ball, I'm going to blow the whistle so that all the players stop. Right? Well, of course, as you can imagine what happens, he's given the fair catch. The ball squirts through his hands. I blow my whistle. Of course, the team that's down 40 to nothing recovers the ball. That would have been like their greatest uh, highlight for the rest of the year, kind of a thing. And so I have to it's inadvertent whistle. And I have to be the one to go over and tell the coach who's getting the snot kicked out of him, you know, like, hey, you know, coach, great onside, great execution by your team, but I'm the one who blew the whistle, and now we have to replay the down. And so uh, inadvertent whistle, you will not save a player from getting the snot beat out of him. Football. The best advice I can give to uh, to young officials is when you first get out and are starting to work, it's it's very it's much faster than when you are watching in the stands or when you're a player. The things you see happening as an official, you saw that guy, you're trying to make sure that he's going to catch the ball and you're kind of assuming ahead of letting the play just happen naturally. And by being quick, and you know, I, I do basketball as well, we're kind of trained to be a little quicker in that that mode, but um, by being too fast with it and by letting the game kind of not play out, you get yourself in trouble. And I can say, uh, you know, if, if you talk to officials, everyone's got an inadvertent whistle story. If they say they don't have one, it means that they're lying to you or they're working their first game, right? So not we hate them. It's kind of the bane of our existence. But through time, what we learn is slow down. A whistle can come a second later. The players are the ones who are supposed to, you know, see the guy catch it. If it does get caught, they're not supposed to hit him. It's not our job to blow a whistle to protect him. Yeah, 
And again, you know, the old uh, adage of play to the whistle. I mean, that is the worst thing. And it's the one thing I fight so much and I try to help players and coaches and I'll talk until I'm blue in the face that the whistle does not end a play. The whistle does not end a play. Play to the whistle is not a thing anymore. And so I think, you know, I think it's it's working its way through the system. It, it, It happens with newer coaches who are just getting into it and they're trying to kind of get their players, get fired up, things like that. But, you know, when a runner's down, he's down. You know, it doesn't need the whistle doesn't mean that you can, you know, if you haven't heard a whistle, you can't go just spear that guy in the back when he's down. You know, the play has ended. It's on the players to know that the whistle does not end a play. Yeah, and we, we'll see 21 out of 22 players kind of ease up, slow down, and there's always that kind of the knucklehead out of, out of phase, right? He's still pushing hard because the whistle hasn't blown yet. Well, that's a behavior we're trying to get out of football. That That's uh, old school. Some people still say it, but it's not allowed in the game today. Yeah, and I would say, you know, just watch the NFL, watch those linemen in the NFL. As soon as that running back is by him, they're not continuing to push that guy and push him and keep blocking until, you know, things like that. They know it's done. You know, their, their job is done. They've got the, the running back. You know, they might need to go to the second or third level, and there's that stuff. But, you know, watch what the NFL linemen do. They are not playing the whistle because they know that the, it, the, the whistle does not end a play. And we'll get into that a lot more later on with some of the other rules. 6-1, Article 9, a free kick shall not be kicked out of bounds between the goal lines untouched inbounds by R. If it is kicked out of bounds and R does not accept a penalty for kick-catching interference on the same kick as in 654, R has the following choices. Okay, there's four choices here. I'm going to read all four, but really, you, you taught me this. There's only three. So you can tell, you know, the the, the if you're going to be smart in your pregame, you can tell your white hat, oh, nope, there's four options, but in all reality, there's three. So let's go through them real quick. Uh, option A, accept a five-yard penalty from the previous spot and have K re-kick. Yep, so we'd be going from the 40 back to the 35. Everyone moves that five yards kind of, we still have our 10-yard buffer, but everyone kind of moves five yards uh, back towards K's uh, end zone, and uh, we re-kick again. B, accept a five-yard penalty from the succeeding spot. And this is uh, so dependent on where the ball goes out of bounds. We could we could have a spot where we go five yards in advance of that. Okay. Uh, C, put the ball in play at the inbound spot 25 y- yards beyond the previous spot. Yep. And this is the one you talked about earlier where if you've moved and then you have this foul, it's very important to remember you just don't go to the 35 every time. This is yep. 25 yards from the free kick line. Normally it's yeah. the 40, so we go to the 35, but if it was back or forward, it's still 25 yards from where that free kick spot is. Yeah, so I, I think it's real easy to say, do you want the ball in 35? You know, you're asking the coach more than you're asking to play. Hey, you want you want the ball out of you want the ball in 35? You want to re-kick kind of a thing. And we'll get you know, I'll let you get into there's even a little more nuance that most people don't think of, you know, but you say hey, you're 35, but if that ball if the free kick line has been moved back 5, 10, 15 yards. It's 25 yards from where they kicked the ball, and so you have to be aware of that. Um, and here's the non-option. You know, yeah, and then D, decline the penalty and put the ball in play at the inbound spot. Which is, why would you ever do that? It's it's kind of like taking the uh, option B and just saying, I don't want the extra 5 yards. So uh, the way we were talking about kind of the nuances of where are some important yard markers to know, if the ball is kicked very far down the field, it goes out of bounds at the five-yard line. Well, then the 35 is kind of a good, important marker to know. 
The second well, thing, or twenty five yards, because you know, because twenty five yards, you're going to put it in five yards from the su- the succeeding spot. The succeeding spot is that five yard line where it yeah. went out of bounds, correct? Yeah. So you can take it at the ten, or you can take it at the thirty five. Which one do you want to do? And I guess for the rest of this conversation, we're going to assume we're at the forty. But again, this adjusts as you move. So now, if that kick is kind of more shanked. If the ball goes out anywhere from the 30-yard line back to the goal line, the 35 is a smarter choice. Once it goes out from the 31 to the, I guess, beyond that, then this option B where you can go five yards from where it went out of bounds makes a ton more sense, right? So now if it goes out of the 32, you can take it at the 37 or the 35. Well, since it's gone beyond the, that 30, now we know that we're attacking the five on. So it's very easy to help coaches and, uh, I guess, uh, people making the decisions on penalties through this, but you got to be prepared to know where the ball go out of bounds and what's the smartest choice. They always can go back and re-kick, but usually people don't want to have those special teams go and run again. They want the ball. They are getting it at a pretty good field position already, so 35 or beyond if needed. The other yeah. spot that this comes into play is when we do have those onside kicks and the kick goes out of bounds untouched by R, it's still free kick out of bounds, even though it's the little dribbler that's just kind of going uh, to the sideline. So that can also be tacked on five yards from where it goes out of bounds there. Yeah. And I would say just as a caution, like don't try to be too smart about knowing exactly where that ball went out of bounds, right? Most of the time it's going to go out somewhere near the goal line and you're going to do the, you know, 25 yards from the, from the previous spot thing, you know, that's fine. It has to be really obvious that it went out like on the 32, 30, you know, something like that to, to kind of start getting into this secondary scenario here where you're trying to figure out what is the best play. Yeah, or, right? or if that soccer player's out there and they are trying to pooch it, but it just wasn't quite right and it goes out of bounds. Then since it's not usually that deep kick, or they're kind of going just beyond the first two waves there, that's where that 30-yard line kind of becomes important. So you're, you're hustling up to, to help out with that. Just make sure that, you know, don't take the playoff understand that there's some implications here uh, from a uh, managerial standpoint on managing the game and, uh, you know, take that serious. And And I got one other thing that uh, I guess I I messed up kind of early on. And for you umpires who are enforcing the foul and then putting the ball down, the sideline that the ball goes out of bounds, you're going to be at that hash, that same side it goes out. It's not like after a free kick where they can choose and go back to the middle of the field. Since the foul cause was, you know, went out of bounds over on that side, the ball stays on that hash mark. There is no option to move it along uh, where they're going to next snap it. Okay. You get options on touchbacks and fair catches and awarded fair catches, right? And we'll get into that, I think, but um, good. that's a very good point. Okay, Article 10. If a free kick goes out of bounds between the goal lines, Touched inbounds by R, the ball is put in play by R at the inbound spot. Yeah, so this is now, a, it's still a kick, but since R has touched it, we're now, it's not a, considered a free kick out of bounds anymore. It's, it is a free kick that has gone out of bounds, but the touching by R kind of takes the penalty aspect out of that play. Yeah, there's some nuances here, right? Um, if a player's straddling the, the out of bounds line, Right, so one foot in, one foot out. So two feet are are down on the ground. One foot in, one foot out. Catches the ball, ball's out of bounds. One foot's out, right? Because that player's status, because his one foot is out of bounds, is he's an out of bounds player. Yeah, but if he's got two feet out of bounds and touches that ball, the ball's out of bounds. Correct? I mean, because he he's technically out of bounds. The ball is touchable. So this is where you get the smart players, and this happens in the NFL because you've got guys and you've got coordinators who can 
uh, practice this all day when they're working with their kickoffs. You know, the, the NFL kicker has gotten so good at putting that ball, pinning it down. What do they call that when they pin it down? Right coffin at the, corner. <laughs> the coffin corner, right? They're getting so good on kickoffs of doing that. Now the receivers are getting so good at understanding that if that ball goes out of bounds, again, assuming we're, you know, the, the ball is going to be put in play at the 35-yard line as opposed to a touchback, um, and so it's only at the 20. So a player... I've seen it a couple of times where they, they'll stand two feet out of bounds and they'll reach out and touch that ball while it's rolling or something. Well, then the ball is technically out of bounds. So then it's a free kick out of, out of bounds. Yeah, that's a, that's a free – that's a, one of those special teams coaches that did read the rule book and kind of gets the nuances of the player's out of bounds. One foot or two foot or whatever, he touches a ball that's in the field of play. Since he's out of bounds, the ball's status now has become out of bounds. Catch, touch, anything. Article 11, a pop-up kick is illegal. Now, I always thought that this was the back judge who who uh, who who looks for this, and I always thought, man, that's really hard because you got all this stuff you're trying to find uh, encroachment. You're trying to look at making sure you've got four and six and six and four, and you got all these guys, all this stuff. But it's not the back judge who who enforces that. Who's the one who's got to catch that? Yeah. So in our mechanics, which is five man mechanics, uh, we have the umpire who would be standing on the R's restraining line, so ten yards in advance of the kick. He is primary for seeing this this pop-up kick. And we talked about it kind of in the previous rule that the ball can go 10 yards and touch the ground. Well, since a pop-up kick is one where off of a tee, the guy kicks it as hard as he can straight into the ground. So it's touched the ground, but it pops up kind of like a, a, a pooch kick. Well, it, this gets fuzzy with the way the rules are that's touched the ground already. So because that ends up being a little bit of a dangerous play, they've they've outlawed that being legal because this touching the ground means that you get don't get protection for kick catch interference anymore and a bunch of stuff so by making that that kick illegal we've also made it illegal to get in this dangerous play that had been happening for a while yeah and also i think the thing to think about um is that the ball's going up and there's a guy sitting there and he's only 10 yards away and he's looking up at the ball about to catch it and he's just going to get again the snot knocked out of them and they're just trying to make sure that they're not these plays aren't happening they're not necessary in today's game yeah and this is one when we see that pop-up kick we actually kill the play this one okay. is one that stops it's illegal it's at the time of the kick but since it's a pop-up um we we kind of stop the play because we get out of that dangerous situation so what's the penalty for that do we it's know a, it's a free kick infraction again we go five yards and re-kick five yards and re-kick yep okay and again, if it bounces like two or three times and then pops up, hey, free game. But it's just this this one that is very easy for kickers to do where they just pound it in and it pops up. That's the one that we say we, you can't do anymore. Okay, 6-2. We are now on to 6-2. Let's discuss 6-2. Scrimmage kicks. Article 1. K is on scrimmage kicks now. So again, we've got free kicks. Now we're on to scrimmage kicks. The way I always think of it as scrimmage kicks is we've got uh, nose guard and snapper lined up head-to-head there's not that free kick zone that's a free kick if we've got the 10 yards this is a scrimmage kick k may punt drop kick or place kick from in or behind the neutral zone before team possession is changed it is not necessary to be in a scrimmage kick formation to execute a legal scrimmage kick k may not punt drop kick or place kick from beyond the neutral zone r may not punt drop kick or place kick yeah, uh, so this is just saying what types of kicks are illegal. Um, there was a time way back in the day with football where you'd have these volleys back and forth. So now 
if once we have a scrimmage kick, R gets the ball, they can't kick it back at him. That's kind of an old rugby kind of thing. But uh, when we're in scrimmage kick formation, punts, drop kicks, and plays kicks are all options for you. Now, one thing that people kind of get confused is scrimmage kicks uh, include both field goals and punts. A lot of times people think of them just as punts, but in high school they really are similar. One's trying to score, one's just kicking the ball. But what we do after the fact is kind of the same. Gotcha. Article 2. Any receiver may catch or recover a scrimmage kick in the field of play in advance unless it is during a try. And again, a try is you're uh, going for Yeah, it's usually in this case they're kind of talking about like a field goal, so a try for one point after a touchdown. Or, okay, let me read that again. Any receiver may catch or recover a scrimmage kick in the field of play in advance unless it is during a try or unless R, any R player has given a valid or invalid fair catch signal. R may catch or recover a scrimmage kick in K's end zone. They can catch or recover a scrimmage kick in K's end zone. If it's a try, again, a try is after a touchdown. R cannot advance it. The ball is dead. If anything happens, uh, block, pick it up and start running, ball's dead. As soon as that try is over, you kill the ball. The R, there's no way for R to score any points at all during a try. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, you are. And we'll get into a little bit where on tries specifically, if a kick has failed, the play is done. There's no opportunity if it's like blocked and stays behind for the kicking team to still score like you can with a field goal. So there is some very unique things to tries. Um, but again, once that kick happens, R can't score. They can't pick it up is what this is telling us. Yeah, but if we've got a block, so K is kicking from their own one. The negative, how do you call it? Negative one? Is that a, is that what you guys, you fancy guys say it? Yeah, so like here, let's talk about what we're talking about the, the field of play there. If you're back by the goal line you defend, so the goal is right behind you. You've got you've got 99 yards to go to get Correct. a touchdown. Yeah, yep. so you're, you're on the one-yard line, but we call that the negative one. So you're going okay. the negative one. If you gain 10 yards, you're at the negative 11. You're on the 11-yard line, but you're at the negative 11. Once you get to the other side of the 50, you get on the plus side of the field. You're going in. Um, this is actually a little bit more coach speak than anything else. that They use that term, the negative, and you know, right hash, okay. left hash stuff. But uh, just a good way to not get mixed up if you're taking tests or looking at rules. Like you see the 25, well, which 25 is it? Seeing negative 25 means you know you're way back. You got 75 yards to go versus yep. the plus being you're almost in the red zone. Okay. And so if you're on the negative one and a punt uh, is blocked and it's rolling around there in the end zone, R can recover the ball in K's end zone. That's all that's been that saying. Okay. Article three Any K player may catch or recover a scrimmage kick while it is in or behind the neutral zone in advance unless it is during a try. So again, you just stated that. If it was during a try, it, it gets blocked, it's hanging out back there, K, it's dead. Try is over, kill the clock, or kill the play, blow the whistle, it is dead. Don't let them do it. Yeah, but, once, once that try kick can't score is kind of the terminology that they'll use later on. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is kind of a good thing to talk about. Unique to high school rules, we could have, this is saying where the kick is when K recovers it. It can, the kick could be punted, it can go beyond the line of scrimmage, bounce on the ground, roll back, and then a K player can actually possess at that point and run with it. If he possesses it anywhere beyond the line of scrimmage, he, the play is dead. You know They don't get to advance it. We'll talk about that. But um, the, it's kind of a unique thing. We, I had a play one time. It was a windy night. Team's kicking into the wind. 
the kick went about four yards downfield, shank left. All the gunners and stuff had gone down by where that punt returner was. And uh, the ball bounces back. And a guy who was like an up back, you know, blocking for the, the punter, uh, he grabs the ball and he kind of looks at us and we didn't blow our whistle because we had luckily pre-gamed it. We had a good white hat. Uh, that was not me at that time. And um, what? so he kind of sees us staring. We don't blow our whistles. And uh, all of a sudden he's like, oh, I can go. So he starts running. Meanwhile, we have the, the team that was the returners. They're bringing their offense out. They think the play is done. We end up having some legal participation stuff, and I think the guy ended up getting enough yardage for the first down anyway. But good news, or I guess the good lesson to learn here is that if the punt somehow is not touched at all by anybody and it ends up back behind the line of scrimmage or just stays behind, kick uh, K players can advance it on that play. And if it is touched behind the neutral zone, blocked, uh, kicked off the rear end of the center, you know, anything like that, and is still floating around back there, K can pick it up in advance. If they've got six yards to go and they get seven yards, you know, it's a first down. If they got, if it's fourth down and they're in a scrimmage kick formation and they've got six yards to go and they only go five, well, then they've run five yards and it's a turnover on downs. Yeah, we talk about that a little bit in rule five about if they still advance the ball but don't make the line again and then we still turn it over because they didn't make it. Okay, 6-2. Article 4. Any K player may catch or recover a scrimmage kick while it is beyond the neutral zone or the expanded neutral zone, provided such kick has been touched by a receiver who was clearly beyond the neutral zone at the time of touching. So, again, this clear this happens most times, uh, punts, right? And a guy goes down, uh, or a player, I should say a player, player is about to recover the ball and he muffs it. Okay, let's touch by a receiver back there. K can recover that ball. Yeah, and you also get it with uh, some of the rugby-style kickers. You know, they're kind of lower-line drive ones. It can hit off a guy's helmet, that kind of thing. That's touching by R beyond the neutral zone. K can't advance that. I just want to keep stating yeah, but, that. But they uh, now, since it's touched R first, they will get a first down wherever they recover it. Yep. That's kind of what this is saying. Yep. Uh, this continue, Article 4 continues. Such touching is ignored if it is caused by K pushing or blocking R into contact with the ball, or it is caused by K legally batting or muffing the ball into R. Such catch or recovery by K beyond the neutral zone causes the ball to become dead. Yeah, and again, if we do have batting or muffing by K, uh, that's a spot of illegal touching too. So uh, it's like, yeah, it's touched R, they can legally recover, but now R also has the option to take it at that violation spot. 6-2, Article 5. When any K player touches a scrimmage kick beyond the expanded neutral zone to R's goal line before it is touched beyond the neutral zone by R... And before the ball has come to rest, it is referred to as first touching of the kick. And the place is spot of first touching. We will bag that as the back judge, correct? correct. Yep. Such touching is ignored if it is caused by R pushing or blocking K into contact with the ball. Yeah, so let's stop there real quick because we, we just talked about in the previous one, we don't consider R having first touching if K blocks R into it. Now they're saying kind of the inverse here. So now if an R player is trying to get K to block into it to get that violation spot, if he's pushed in there on purpose by the return team player, that's not a spot that you would bag. And that's a judgment kind of thing as the back judge. Did it just accidentally hit a guy who didn't see the ball coming, or did someone kind of push him into it on purpose? Okay. Uh, there's a little bit of a further paragraph that doesn't usually happen but we'll we'll read through this here if any k player touches a scrimmage kick in this manner r may take the ball at the spot of first touching or any spot if there is more than one spot of first touching 
or they may choose to have the ball put in play as determined by the action which follows the first touching. The right of the, again, this comes into a lot of stuff. The right of R to take the ball at the spot of first touching by K is canceled if R touches the kick and thereafter during the down commits a foul or if the penalty is accepted for any foul committed during the down. So if R, if K touches the scrimmage kick and the ball's still rolling, right? And it's still live. This is where you get the D coordinators love this one. And they tell their, go in and grab it, go in and grab it. Cause they think the receiver can pick it up. They can lateral backwards. They can throw it out of bounds and do all this stuff. And the worst thing that can happen is the ball comes back right there. A spot of first touching. The best thing that can happen is that everybody on the K team thinks that it's the ball's dead there and they screw around and get, and get a touchdown or something like that. But all of that is canceled if there is a foul by R after they have possessed the ball. Yeah, yeah. so there are people who kind of teach this behavior where after first touching they try to go swoop it in. The only caveat is as long as you don't break a rule, you'll cause a foul after that. Um, that would be the only way where that violation privilege kind of goes away. The other thing I'll point out that it's just a language thing for, for NFHS. Um, you can have multiple spots of first touching. Now, you hear first touching, you think, well, the first guy to touch the ball, but you could have a K player – the ball's going, let's just say it's near the goal line. One guy bats it. It hasn't got to that plane. We'll talk about the, the plane at a later date when touchbacks, but uh, it hasn't got there yet. They are allowed to bat the ball legally backwards, right, back towards their own goal line. Well, that's the spot of first touching. Then another guy sees, well, R is going to go and try to pick up the ball and run it, so he swipes it away from the guy, bats it backwards still, but now it's the second spot of first touching. So first touching doesn't mean one spot. It just means K's touch it before R does on these kick plays. Very good. Article 6. The touching of a low scrimmage kick by any player is ignored if the touching is in or behind the expanded neutral zone. The neutral zone shall not be expanded into the end zone. Again, this comes into play rugby-style kickers more than anything. Well, that and uh, field goal blocks, as we talked about, field goals are scrimmage kicks too. Uh, So you have a whole bunch of guys on the R side of the, the neutral zone jumping up and try to kick it or try to try to block the ball. If the kick touches their hand, officially they're beyond the line of scrimmage. We don't consider that like our touching the punt downfield. It's, it's kind of a different deal. They have an exception to the rule if you're trying to block kicks. This is essentially the way I like to think about this one. And it just means that even though they're on the, the other side, uh, we don't count that as a our touch. Article 7, when any scrimmage kick is out of bounds between the goal lines or becomes dead inbounds between the goal lines while no player is in possession or inbounds anywhere while opponents are in joint possession, the ball is awarded to R. Following an out-of-bounds kick, the ball is put in play at the inbound spot unless R chooses a spot of first touching. Yeah, so we could have, again, the, the bat, but then the ball goes out of bounds kind of in advance of that, that first touching spot. They'll take it there. Um, at their option here. Rule 6-3, touchbacks. Article 1, it is a touchback if any free kick or scrimmage kick, A, which is not a scoring attempt or which is a grounded three-point field goal attempt, breaks the plane of R's goal line unless R chooses a spot of first touching by K. So it is a touchback if any free kick, again kickoff, or any scrimmage kick, which is not a scoring attempt, or which is a grounded three-point field goal attempt, breaks the plane of ours goal line. So the ball gets to the end zone on a free kick or a scrimmage kick, touchback. Yeah, there's, it's kind of a, I guess, a simple and very finite thing, right? The second that ball, the nose of it, touches the goal line plane, which is just that 
if you put a plane of glass straight up from where the goal line is, the second the ball touches that on any one of these kick plays, the ball is dead. They, why they're talking about this whole scoring attempt thing is that happens during field goals too, but we allow it to kind of continue into play. If it goes between the uprights, we got to score. I think this is a good spot to talk about, again, another blunder I had, you know, again, watching too much NFL and not understanding the difference in the rules. This is always talking about just the ball. This is not talking about where the player's standing. A player can have two, a player can have this whole body in the end zone. And, uh, you know, the ball has not reached the end zone yet, but they, and they keep it out. They, they pull the Heisman and just have their hand out, touching the ball and stop the ball from coming in and crossing that goal line. It's not a touchback. The ball is the ball is the ball on these touchback scenarios. If the ball touches the plane, touchback. Where the player is uh, has no meaning or has no uh, effect on what what the status of that ball is. Yeah, so let's I guess where people would see it most often is we have a punt play uh, that returner guy has put his heels on the ten and the kick's going over his head, so he's letting it go. Well, ball bounces at the two, checks up, it's kind of going towards the goal line. It is fine for the kicking player team, uh, the kicking team member to be standing in the end zone, reach out into the field of play, and stop the ball at the one yard line. Um, those other codes we talked about, again, well, this is NFL specifically, you're talking about, they can't have their feet and be reaching back in. That's a thing. And again, that's where. You'll have people yelling at you from the stands and stuff, but high school football, we don't care about where that player is. It's all about where the ball went to, and if it stays out of the end zone, uh, we have no problem. It's going to be this dead there. Absolutely, no touchback. Absolutely a play that I've, I've gotten wrong in a, in a game before. Didn't realize it until I watched film later on, and uh, my white hat, who's also my dad, said, you know, you kind of messed up that play. I said, really? So that's why we're doing this podcast, to get these things out. My errors, I'm happy to tell everybody all of them. And once we get through all these rules, we'll start We'll start having a few more episodes to discuss everybody's problems. Yeah, what I can tell you is uh, the rules I know best are probably the ones that I've screwed up the most, right? Yeah, that, that's, that's how you learn. Is You don't want to screw up rules. We're trying to get better at, at make sure we don't do that. But I can tell you, so you'll, you'll never forget that. Yeah. But I can stand in there again, right? Screwing it up and kicking a play is the ones that kind of burn you and those yeah. ones that you never screw And I think, again. you know, that, and that's how everybody learns. You know, your pre-games, your, your out to dinner afterwards, you're talking about, I mean, we, we go through them all the time, you know, and you think you've nailed that play, right? And then all of a sudden you show up at the bar and, you know, another white hat who's been doing it for three times as long as you says, nope. And you're like, what? You know, and that's the discussion. That's where it goes. So that, you know, that's kind of the whole point of this podcast. I am happy. I think you are too. And hopefully we get a few other people who will uh, call in or write in to kind of give us their uh, big time blunders so that we can all learn because it's not it's not a, it's not an ego thing right i mean anybody again who says they've never missed a play or messed up a play wrong and if they if they say that they're not a good ref good refs are learning from everybody else and happy to discuss so yeah that that's one that i will never forget though all right continuing article one uh, it is a touchback of any free kick or scrimmage kick b which is a three-point field goal attempt in flight, touches a K player in R's end zone or after breaking the plane of R's goal line is unsuccessful. So again, three-point field goal attempt. If it breaks the end zone line, that plane, and is unsuccessful, it's a touchback. If a K player, if the ball's still in flight and a K player's over there and they're playing volleyball trying to bat it, bat it, bat it to get it through, touches a K player in that end zone, 
it's also uh, a touchback. Am I saying yeah, that correctly? Yeah, there's kind of a unique thing where like you could have a, a field goal attempt, and it could actually hit off like an R player's helmet and bounce through the uh, uprights and actually still be good. It, you can't do that with K. You can't have a guy run down there, kick the call, ball up real high, and then like you know set it like a volleyball player through the uprights and have it count. So the second that it's beyond the goal line and in R's uh, end zone and K touches it, we're, we're dead. Um, if it's in the end zone and it doesn't make a good field goal, it's also already a touchback. Okay, Article 2, 6-3. Article 2, if any free kick or scrimmage kick becomes dead in the kicker's end zone, while no player has possession, it is a safety or touchback, as in 8-5-2 and 3. Yeah, and those two things are going to be talking about touchbacks and safeties and how they're scored. Really what it comes down to is, was it the kicking team that was responsible for the kick ending up in there, or did somehow our, you know, muff it, force it into the end zone, it could be a touchback in that case. So we'll get big into that when we get into uh, Rule 8, which has all the scoring stuff. But uh, this is just saying if it dies in there, it's going to be one of those two things. It's not any other option. Uh, rule 6-4 of this section is just a summary of the uh, scrimmage kick and free kick activities. And I think we'll put that on on the Twitter page so you can see it. But everybody should have the rule book. Um, but you're going to have to just go – Look at that. We'll move on to 6-5. 6-5 is the fair catch section. Article 1 states, any receiver may signal for a fair catch while any legal kick is in flight. Any receiver, any receiver may signal for a fair catch while any legal kick is in flight. Any receiver who has given a valid or invalid fair catch signal is prohibited from blocking until the kick has ended. Yeah, and that's actually kind of a, a big foul, too. So if you do have someone who waits for a fair catch and then trying to prevent someone to go, that, that is, we just talked about that guy who's at the 10-yard line, right? He waits for a fair catch, and he's trying to draw the kicking team away from where the ball is going. If he, in doing that, then goes and, and you know on purpose blocks a guy who's trying to go down and down that ball, it's actually a 15-yard penalty because by waving your hand for a fair catch, um, you're kind of saying, I'm not going to advance it. I'm giving up on kind of a normal play I'm taking myself out and I want protection to catch the ball is what you're doing there so by saying I'm giving up and then going and hitting somebody it's kind of there's a foul for that in this case yeah let's talk about valid and invalid fair catch signal you know I as the back judge I'm always back there with the punters I say hey if you want a fair catch make it big right just make hey it's got to be big it's got to be a hand over your head you know you'll get some again tricky guys they're watching uh, Saturdays and Sundays, and they'll give just a quick little wave or something like that just to try to throw off uh, the kicking team who's coming down and trying to tackle them as far back as you can, things like that. So, I mean, you have to work with the players. Again, you're dealing with 16, 17, 18-year-old players. If there's no harm, no foul kind of a thing, if, if if nothing happened. But if that guy gives a little little wave, you know, and all of a sudden the kicking team stops because they think he gave a fair catch signal – and then he starts running, going down there. I mean, that's an invalid fair catch signal in my book, and it should be penalized. It's against the spirit of the game. Yeah, we also talk about just other waving things. So a good fair catch signal would be a wave above your head that everybody sees. We have some people that right at the last second, they'll kind of do a little arm wiggle right in front of them. They're, they're trying to do the wave, but it's just it's so fast and they're doing other things. So that's an invalid one. Um, the other thing that happens is with the ball bounces, and you see people do a getaway where they're kind of, I guess, um, almost doing like an incomplete wave 
uh, where their yep. arms are They're saying like safe. Get away. You know, it's like an umpire's yelling safe, safe, yep. safe. Yeah, that, that's still a waving motion. So it's still kind of saying, hey, get away. We're not going after it. We're not trying to recover it. We, if they then go and grab the ball and pick it up, that's a signal that's invalid, but it was a wave. And again, they're, they're saying they're not going to go after it, but when they do that, um, so we don't let them advance it then. Now, things they can do on sunny days, if it's an afternoon game, they can put their hand on their helmet as long as it's not moving and waving as they do it, but they can block out the sun. The other thing they can do is they can point. So you got to remember that that returner has the perspective of the ball coming down. They know where it's going to be. The guys on their team, on the return team that are coming down and block, they have no perspective. They, they know where the guy was supposed to kick it, but they're not watching it like that guy. So pointing is okay. Any waving motion is where we get into this. You can't advance it if you possess it then. 6-5, Article 2. It is a fair catch, and the ball is dead if any receiver gives a valid fair catch signal, as in Article 1. And he catches a free kick in or beyond the neutral zone to R's goal line, or a scrimmage kick beyond the neutral zone to R's goal line. So any player, it is a fair catch and the ball is dead if any receiver gives a valid fair catch signal. And catches the ball. That's what it's saying. It's just saying we, we stop the play at that point. Okay. But Article 3 states now that only the receiver who gives a valid fair catch signal is afforded protection. If after a receiver signals, the catch is made by a teammate, it is not a fair catch, but the ball becomes dead. Yeah, so if we have two returners back there, one of them, when the kick goes off, waves, but it ends up going to the other guy. He catches it. He starts to advance it. Well, he didn't know that his buddy waved it, but the kicking team saw a guy wave it. So that, that team has given up their ability to advance the ball. Um, the other thing, they're talking about protection with this. So what does that mean? If we have a, a punt or a free kick and you wave for it and you, you're about to catch it underneath it, the ball kind of hits your chest and bounces straight up. Um, normally, if you didn't wave for it, the kicking team has the ability to go grab the ball or push you or knock you away from it. But with the fair catch, as long as you have the chance to complete the catch, it's illegal for them to touch you. So again, we have a kick. It's muffed straight up. I, I'm just, it's kind of up above my head. I'm going to still be in position to catch it off it. the muff. He's juggling, juggling it. Yeah, good way to put it. And he's juggling it where he can still complete the catch, not juggling it and it went three yards to his left. Um, that player keeps his protection. That's the, what you're gaining by doing the fair catch signal. Article 4. Oh, this is the good stuff. No. The captain may choose to free kick or snap anywhere between the hash marks. A, on the yard line through the spot of the catch when a fair catch is made. B, through the spot of interference when a fair catch is awarded. Or C, at the succeeding spot when the distance penalty for kick-catch interference is accepted following an awarded fair catch and the down is not replayed. These choices remain if a dead ball foul occurs prior to the next down or a foul or an inadvertent whistle occurs during the next down and the down is replayed. All right, let's start breaking this down, Luke. So, okay, uh, the, for the first option, if you uh, wait for a fair catch and you are on the right side of the field, one of the privileges you get when you fair catch it is you can put the ball anywhere you want between the hash marks for the next play. Now, this may not seem that important to people, but in high school football, where those hash marks are um, that break up the field are actually a third, a third, and a third of the field. The, the two levels above it now, those hash marks kind of get skinnier and skinnier where 
it's almost, you know, in the NFL, it's it's hardly moving left and right at all. It's the width of the goalpost there. We have a whole bunch of left and right that can influence, are you calling sweeps, you know, to the long side of the field? Do you want it right in the middle for something that you're doing with passing? Whatever that may be, there's more strategy in high school football about left and right position along a line. Burying a lead, as they say in the news <laughs> business. The captain may choose to free kick. So I can free kick, and a free kick is a place kick or, you know, kicking off a tee or or punting the ball, right? No, punts can only be used after a safety. So yeah. a free kick. So end of the half, end of the game, uh, K is kicking from their own end zone. They kick the ball. It goes to the minus 30, as we're saying. So they're, they're on their minus one. They kick the ball. There is an awarded fair a fair catch, awarded fair catch, anything like that, anything to do with a fair catch at the minus 30. All of a sudden, that is the plus 30 for the receiving team. They Correct. can put the ball in play using a free kick. They could put the ball in a tee. There's a free kick line. There's ours line 10 yards found there. And they can boot the ball through the through the uprights for three points. Yeah, so this is this is a very unique thing. This actually is an NFL rule too. It, it, again, either when it happens in high school or the NFL, it seems like it ends up in, you know, either not top 10 or top 10 weird plays, that kind of thing on Sports Center. But so after a fair catch has been awarded for whatever reason, uh, there's an opportunity to use a free kick and score three points like a field goal. So all of our same free kick rules that we covered when we were talking in section one here apply. 10 yard gap. Um, so now instead of a field goal kicker having to be seven yards back, have a holder, have people rushing him, he can now put it down and try to kick that thing as far as he can. Now, why people don't use this too often is, you know, then if you don't make it, the other team gets the ball. It's a touchback, um, yep. Yeah, it's, well, if it goes into the end zone, it's a touchback. If it goes to the, uh, um, you know, it's a, free kicks are live balls, right? So they could actually go up and recover it, which is a whole other, you know, can of worms to open, I guess. But the, the big thing is here, they don't have to kind of kick up and over uh, opponents anymore. They got that 10-yard gap. And why they would use it, like you said, end of half, end of game, they're not going to be able to run two plays. They can run one, so they're going to try to score. And it's kind of an easier way to score when you have all these free kick uh, uh, play rules surrounding it. Yeah, and I think the you know there's a little paragraph at the end of this. These choices remain if dead ball fouls occur prior to the next down or a foul or inadvertent whistle occurs during the next down and the down is replayed. So um, we're at the plus 30 now. All of a sudden we've got a dead ball foul occurs prior to the next down. Let's just say the coach, let's say we're at the plus, we're at the 50. So maybe they're not going to kick it off and try to get through there. All of a sudden the coach is screaming his head off. You throw a unsportsmanlike flag on the coach, 15 yards. Now it's back up to the plus 35. Hey, all of a sudden, it's still an awarded fair catch status, right? Now we can, now we're going to line up in the free kick zone. Um, or again, inadvertent whistle. Um, yeah, inadvertent whistles, we just kind of, we always replay. The other one that they talk about is so they also say if you give it an awarded fair catch, right? So we just kind of went through what kick catch interference is. If you contact someone who is trying to make a catch and they've got protection for it, or if they're just in position to catch it and you hit them early, there's a couple of rules about that too, but. Um, anyway, if if we if we give a kick catch interference foul, we enforce 15 yards. That still counts as a fair catch in, Ooh, in, in our yeah, rule set. That's a great point. Yep. So they can still move it left and right, and they still have this privilege to try to score off of it if it was a kick catch interference foul. Yeah. So kick catch interference. It's, it's an accepted penalty. It's an awarded fair catch. 
Correct. That's a good one to know. That's back judges. All back judges should know that. That's one for putting your uh, memory bank to to help your crew out. That's a good one for them to know. Okay. Article five. No receiver may advance the ball after a valid or invalid fair catch signal has been given by any R player. Yeah. So this is saying uh, not like that guy who caught her, that teammate who catches it. This is saying that someone in the back did it, but it was end up being a pooch kick. Um, it hit the ground. Uh, receiver gets it. So it, it, they've recovered and all. They can't advance either. Um, so anytime anyone on the return team gives a valid or invalid signal that's saying, hey, you know, uncle, we're, we just want to catch the ball and go on to the next play, there's no one else on his team that gets to advance the ball. Okay, Article 6, while any free kick is in flight in or beyond the neutral zone to the receiver's goal line, or any scrimmage kick is in flight beyond the neutral zone to the receiver's goal line, K shall not touch the ball or R unless blocked into the ball or R or to ward off a blocker, or B, obstruct R's path to the ball. Yeah, this is just saying that the receiving team kind of gets the first crack at touching the kick while it's in the air. This prohibition applies even when no fair catch signal is given, but it does not apply after a free kick has been touched by a receiver or after a scrimmage kick has been touched by a receiver who was clearly beyond the neutral zone at the time of touching. Exception. K may catch, touch, muff, or bat a scrimmage kick in flight beyond the neutral zone if no player of R is in possession to catch the ball. Okay. You see how that's specific to scrimmage kicks in flight. When it's a free kick or a, 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 yeah, a free kick in flight, they can't catch it. It has to hit the ground first. We already kind of talked about that when we were talking about rule one. Yeah, and we'll get into this um, in, uh, when we get to nine or ten, I believe. But you know, R has the right to catch a ball, right? Yeah. There's no halo or anything. They just have the right to catch it. Yeah, we talk about unimpeded uh, opportunity to catch a kick. So that means. While uh, trying to get to get the catch, they can't. They don't have to avoid or run around. If you're in their way and they clip shoulders or something, that is a foul on the kicking team for being in the way as they're trying to catch it. Okay, I I guess I'm concerned with the um, kind of the overarching theme of an unnecessary roughness, if you will. So if a guy is going to catch the ball. A split second later, he just gets plowed by a kicking player. Okay. Is there a foul there in high school? Uh, well, I, I guess there, this is kind of a time and space and what happens on the play kind of conversation. But when, you're, when your attention is away from someone coming to hit you, yep. we have blindside blocks for plays like this where you're looking at a quarterback and someone gets you from the side. Or in this case, we have defenseless player status. Yep. So when you're defenseless, when so like you're a receiver when, going up, jumping up high to catch a ball, things like that. Yep. yep. Defenseless. Yep. So if, if there is uh, either unnecessary or excessive contact to a defenseless player, we have a foul. Um, we're not saying targeting necessarily because that's specifically head contact in that, but there is um, rules that say the, the a level of contact you have with that guy has to, he has to be able to brace for it. Otherwise we have a foul and it's a personal contact foul, which we'll get to in Rule 9. Right. And so I just, it, there's a level there that you as the official have to make a decision. And I think you err on the side of safety. That guy does not have to plow that guy over. He is defenseless. He could literally grab him by the back of the neck with one hand when you're defenseless, 
hold the guy up, and then wrestle him to the ground, and the same thing happened. It is not cool any longer to just plow a guy and cleat a guy. You know, they still put that on your huddle page, right? And anybody who puts that on their huddle page should just not play college football because it's just stupid to hit defenseless players. But, you know, that's for another another conversation. But I think you have to be aware of that defenseless player and you have to protect that guy. Again, your whistle is not going to protect him, right? Your flag is going to protect him when you make that decision. Okay. Article 7. A receiver shall not give an invalid fair catch signal. Yeah, this one's kind of a judgment thing. Was he intentionally giving an invalid one to deceive? There is a five-yard foul here. Most of the time with these things, it's like, I'm trying to give a valid fair catch signal. It's not something you want to throw a flag on. By the book, there is something in here for deception kind of purposes, but not a player who just didn't quite get above his head. We're not throwing flags on, on those. Yep. And again, kind of understand what happened after the play too. You know, if again, no harm, no foul, maybe kind of a thing. Nothing, nobody got hurt. If if he gave a quick one, but he got tackled right there anyways, you know, like as if he didn't give it, you know, just tell him like next time, hey, that was a horrible fair catch signal. You really got to work on that. Or tell him, you know, but but if he's going to give an invalid fair catch signal, everybody stops, then he's going to get 30 yards because of it. Well, you gotta you gotta throw a flag on that. So know the situation, know the game, know kind of what happens as a result of the play. Article eight: The runner shall not give an illegal fair catch signal. So this is a guy who catches the ball, and then all of a sudden he sees eight people coming at him. He's, oh no! Oh, geez, oh, help me! You know that kind of a thing, right? <laughs> now that one you do flag, right? He's, no, he's, he's yeah. already down. Well, what do you do? He's got the ball and he's waving at people. What? It, that is a all of a sudden they stop, but really the ball. If they stop, good. if yeah. they stop, okay. I mean, but if he's if he's on the twenty, let's call it the negative twenty, and he's waving and he doesn't get any farther than the negative twenty, I'm not yeah. throwing a flag on it. But if I he's agree. waving it and everybody stops and he goes thirty, well then yeah, again you got to throw it. But again, know the situation. But it would be more hilarious than anything, I think. Well, that's what I mean. This this rules in here. I have never seen that happen. No. But. Uh, when it does, I guess there is something to cover it in the book. Yeah. All right, Luke, that's our, uh, That's uh, rule six. We're done with kicking the ball in fair catch. Well, you're at the game and it's Friday night and you want to make sure that the calls are right. This is high school football rules. There's a hole in a fumble and an illegal pass. Now, what do you do? Because you're the ref. Well, this is high school football. Well, sit on down and kick right back. You're going to listen to Luke and Matt. They're talking high school football rules. They're talking high school football rules. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at HSFR Podcast. Twitter at HSFR Podcast. Or email us at highschoolfootballrules at gmail.com. That's highschoolfootballrules at gmail.com.